You're listening to the Gen AI Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Gen AI Podcast. I'm Jamie Van Leeuwen. I'm joined by Dr. Michael. Dr. Michael, how are you going? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much. We've got a very special guest on today. That's George Byrne. George is a photographer and artist originally from Australia. He's since gone to the bright lights of LA where he does plenty of uh, fantastic work and uh, building up a huge reputation there. George, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Honoured to be here for episode two. I'd love you to explain a bit about what your style is when it comes to art. Yeah, well, my style, you know, as with with anyone that works in the arts, it's sort of, it's always evolving. But the general arc, the basic arc of what I've done, when I moved to LA about 12 years ago, I started taking portraits of people in the streets. And then I've started to sort of take more and more um, landscape photos, I guess you'd call them. This term anti-landscape photo, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a term I've heard, I quite like it because it um, it just leans into the idea of taking landscapes of things that you wouldn't traditionally think were up to being a landscape photo. So when there's an absence of something, you know, we all think of photography as um, as we look for beauty. And I think the anti-landscape movement is sort of looking for the opposite, but trying to find beauty within it somehow. And that, that was the sort of challenge. So I was doing, um, I mean, LA is a sort of rich environment for that sort of photography. You know, it's sort of like a sprawling industrial suburb that just goes for 50 miles. Like that's the sort of, a lot of what LA is. And when I landed here and was driving around, I was just struck by it and started to use that as, as my muse, I guess. Um, but yeah, the arc of my photos was that I started doing that pretty straight photography. And as I evolved and as I started messing around with different forms of manipulation and really just fell into it, um, I started to see that um, photography was a bit more malleable and dynamic than I than I had thought and, um, and was sort of able to start creating images based off other images. So... Um, more recently, what I do is I take photos and then I look for things within the photo that's interesting and use that as source material as opposed to um, the photos being a static finished product, which is the sort of traditional way of looking at it. Um, so yeah, started out fairly conventional um, and now as I've evolved, I'm, I'm sort of doing more collage and, and various forms of manipulation. So, so th th that's quite interesting. So, I think I heard you describe your work as as dreamscape, or that was the kind of word mm. that was used in one of them. And yeah. I, I certainly the, the 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 pictures I saw were this wonderful combination of slightly impossible things in one photo. When I say impossible, I'm very unlikely, not not physically impossible, but kind of you've kind of pulled together these different images together. And I suppose I was kind of curious to ask you: Is that do you find that that's a really kind of powerful creative force to be able to kind of combine these different elements together into one kind of place and then invoke a reaction which maybe couldn't be invoked if you were just walking out with a camera and, and taking a photograph? I mean, is, the, is it important that people see things next to each other that otherwise they wouldn't be able to see next to it would be highly unlikely to, to get that reaction? Yeah, well, it's... It's funny because when I first started doing it, there was a show I did called New Order. And that was when I sort of came out of the closet as I was sort of 
doing photography that wasn't straight because I'd been messing around a little bit. And then I thought, you know what, I, I, I just want to make this a part of my practice and I want, to be, want it to be open and like, I want to make that a part of the discussion about my work, my point of difference in a way. So I had a show called New Order and it was from 2016 and 16, 17. And those were works which were sort of based on two or three different images spliced together. It was very basic because of my skill set was basic at the time in terms of what 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 I was sort of able to do. Um, and the thing was, yeah, like you say, you, you look at these images and you can tell there's something off. My decision was, I think I want to bury the lead. I don't want the incisions and the stitching together to be distracting to the image, like a David Hockney collage, you know, where it's like he's layering Polaroids over and that's a part of the sort of the effect i wanted i wanted that to be built in and um for the viewer to be left to try and work out what's going on and that idea is not my idea so yeah, there's a guy called andreas gursky a german uh, photographer who's been around forever who, who really did pioneer that idea um i actually think Sid, um cindy sherman did it as well a little bit but very different in a very different way. But I, I think in terms of landscape photography, Andreas Gursky was really sort of, I think he was the first person I ever saw who took photography and bent it way out of shape without actually telling you what he was doing. And that was a, that was sort of, I sort of stole a little bit of that idea, but then was using a very different sort of aesthetic, um, to create what I was doing. Uh, but that sense of not knowing what is real and what isn't and, and sort of that juxtaposition of tying together foreign landscapes and making them one. Um, yeah, I think it has different effects on different people. Some people find it very unnerving and very confusing and vaguely annoying and other people just find it, it's it that little hum of not knowing is kind of enjoyable and that's a very sort of intrinsic to what they enjoy about looking at the work. Um, so I've I've... Yeah, I've encountered all sorts of different responses um, since I've gone down that path, and it's been interesting. I think part of part of what I enjoy most about um, what I'm doing. Yeah, I've I've really experienced that as well with my own AI creations. I mean, you see yeah. these things and you think they kind of look like they're realistic, but yeah, the other right. half of my brain says that can't be realistic. The Pope would never wear a Balenciaga jacket, but it does get called in Italy. It does. So. It really does. <laughs> But these 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 tools now are able to quite seamlessly, in the in the same way that you have, to remove the the uh, the stitches. It's very seamless with the way that these AI image generators are working at the moment, mm. and it can create some unnerving things, like your face looks a bit strange, things like that. But I'd like to know: Do you think that it's it's something that you could see yourself embracing? Is this AI technology in whatever form it might be? Because you're already trying to create these dreamscapes. Do you think mm. that AI could be a way for you to enhance that? Totally. I think it. I think ultimately it's just going to end up being a tool, and the the driver of the tools is is still going to be relevant. Um, so I, I do, I don't know how I would use it, but I definitely would be open to playing around with it. Like we've discussed to see perhaps at this point, you know, an AI might, an AI feed might give you a seed or of inspiration as to a direction of something you could do or 
um, solve a certain problem that you have in an image or just throw up ideas. Um, so yeah, I, and, and again, it's very early for me. I don't have the technology myself and I, I'm sufficiently technically average that I don't, I'd need to, you know, work with someone, a collaborator just to, to investigate it. But I'm definitely curious. Um, I'm AI curious. Is that a thing? <laughs> uh, it's a thing. It's a thing. A lot of bizarre. And a lot of listeners will be in, in the same state. Yeah. But I think, I think going back to the general photography and, the, and a lot of the amazing stuff that I'm seeing um, from you, Jamie, and, and people that, that are using it well, is that um, you... It's like you say, like you see things that stand out, like the, the rhinoceros image that I think you worked on mm. recently. Um, it's almost like some of the images were hovering between an animation or, or, or a sort of fantastical animal and a real animal and that the AI was almost fishing through a whole well of really different source material to sort of create this rhino one that's sort of kind of there and then so you go in and look at it oh, it looks a little up there almost could be a drawing so it's it's fascinating to me where where the information's coming from what are they looking what what's this this ai sourcing to get this single image and um i was wondering like, can you how much can you refine the searches with the ai like can you I just wonder how much power we have at the moment to sort of refine the search. If when you are trying to create, can you make it as narrow as you want, or is it sort of stuck on? Um, like if you say, "I want to see the Pope in a bomber jacket," is there any way to say, "I only want to see the Pope from this year, like this from from 2018?" Or can you, you know, or does it only take from everything that's out there? Yeah, it's getting better and better all the time. That's yes. the first thing I'd say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you look at these uh, image generation tools like Midjourney and from version one, where yeah. we were about a year ago, to version five, where we are now, it's yeah. chalk and cheese. I mean, before version one, about a year ago, things used to look like the vague shapes that you were asking it to. Right now, it's super realistic. So, yeah, you can narrow the searches down. And this, this is where people who use it well are able to... They're calling them now prompt engineers. You can engineer a prompt in such a way that you can get pretty much exactly what you want. Yeah. But right. what I found really interesting and what you might be able to relate to, George, is when I have an idea in mind, say for my own photography, I have an idea in mind, but I'm not quite sure what it could look like. It's been fantastic to put in some reference prompts and just to see what comes back and see how I react to that. And then I can go on in my own art and and make some decisions based on what I've seen. So it's almost yes. a, I wouldn't say an assistant or a mentor, but it's it's definitely a uh, something that I can look to for inspiration. And that's what I found super interesting. Something else I'd like to ask you about, George, is with these image generation tools coming out now, the barrier to entry for people is now a lot lower. I mean, before, if you're wanting to get into photography, you'd need to go and buy a camera. If you're wanting to learn to paint, you'd have to put in a lot of time and effort. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand, that is the price it, it costs to become very good at an artistic pursuit. Of course, you need talent, but you also need the tools and the experience of working with these tools. And it all comes together in a, in a beautiful way, like what with you do. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the barrier to entry lowering 
for you know a lot of people now who wouldn't see themselves necessarily as creative to start creating things that do look great well i'd say go at it um i don't know i i just feel like the rules and the boundaries shift and change forever over history is that what what you're able to do with what um if this technology opens things up for a lot more people i think it's great i mean it's a bit like instagram you know had the same we all had the same reaction to that was that suddenly going to undermine all the people that work hard on their photos this that and the other but it's all sort of evened out and you know i don't i know i don't i guess if, you, if you're asking do i feel like you know in some ways professional artists will feel a little threatened by this um i'm sure there are some people that will feel like it's potentially a problem i mean yeah maybe in a year i see someone who has a show that looks exactly like mine i mean i already know you know a lot of other people who do some work that looks a little bit like mine you know it's happened over the years and i think you know whether they know of me or not um you've just got to sort of keep your head down put your ears back and keep focusing what you're doing and um I think this is just another way to try and do something different. And I, I'm sure someone will come along, a, a creative person, and, and use this technology to make something completely different. Well, yeah, no, you mentioned uh, collaboration and doing something different. There's been a big story over the last week or two. Drake, I'm not sure if you saw George, Michael, I know you saw. Uh, I did, Drake, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, put out this song. Uh, wasn't really Drake. It was, uh, of course, yeah, spoiler alert. It was actually a, an AI ghost, quote unquote, ghost writer created this song using Drake's voice and same kind of beats that he'd use. And it was actually a pretty decent tune, in my opinion. Yeah. Grimes has now come out another artist and said, fantastic. I mean, let's create together. So she mm. said, if anyone uses my voice to create an AI song, I will yeah. split the royalties of that song with you 50-50 because you are essentially helping and collaborating with me to create a new piece of art, a new track. I'd love to know from your point of view, George, with your own photography, if someone comes along to you and says, love your stuff, do you mind if I build on that and we do something together? I mean, that's turning your existing art into something new through collaboration. Yeah, uh, fascinating. I would love to consider that and it would depend on the idea, the person, and yeah, what 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 it was, what they were bringing to the table, I guess, as opposed to just saying, "I run the programs, you do it." Uh, I can do that myself. I can do. I can run things, and but if someone's come bringing something unique, creatively to the process, um, I think that would be cool. I you know, I a musician as well, and that's a very collaborative business, and I, that's the one sort of yeah limitation of I think of of what I do is that it's not as collaborative as sometimes I would like. So um, I tend to collaborate when I'm putting on shows, I'll collaborate with the galleries, hangar and, you know, the curatorial um, approach is very collaborative. So, um, so yeah, in terms of actually making work, uh, that would be interesting. And I'm sure that's happening. Um, my thing, like, I think we've spoken about this, Jamie, was that the, the, the work I hang and print is, is enormous files and mm -hmm. you know, two, three gigs, 
Um, I'm I'm working off medium format film that I drum scan and turn into very large digital files and then splice them up and work on them. Um, so it would have to be a process of probably, unless you know the AI can process huge files, which I, I don't think it does just yet. It's still sort of that nascent stage where it's dealing with, you know, especially when it's sourcing offline, it's you're dealing with files that can only print around A4 um, with any real clarity or sharpness. But um, if there's a, I'm sure there will be a way, maybe you could sort of start sketching an AI and then apply your, you know, high quality information into the file and build from there. Um, I also think in, in the sort of animation realm, it's, there's lots of interesting things you might be able to do. There's a, an artist out of New Zealand where Instagram is the agrophobic traveler and she, she actually, she is agrophobic at, and she's very open about it and, and she doesn't like traveling and she created a, um, a, a whole, I mean, she basically uses Google, Google maps, Google, what's the Google camera called there, you know, where you can go through all the streets. She just trolls the streets on Google maps and takes, um, screenshots and has an amazing gallery of work based on her online travels, basically. Um, and she worked with, she collaborated with a, a, um, an, a video artist who used AI to, I think, aggregate hundreds of her images and turn it into this fascinating sort of animation where they're sort of flipping between each other and creating artificial landscapes based off her work. And, um, that was very inspiring to me and something that I might even look into for my next show, Sydney next year. Um, I, I think I will have some screens involved in that show. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right now building a new show and with all this new information coming in, it's sort of influencing where I'm at. I, I feel, um, ultimately kind of, kind of lucky to be in the middle of this thing even though I know there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of unknown as to where it's going to go and how it's going to affect us more broadly. Um, I think at the moment I'm, I'm, I'm more positive than negative about the possibilities of how this could influence, um, create the creative side of things anyway. Um, with the music, I just feel like it's further complicating an already incredibly complex business model you know i'm trying to divide the rights of music i mean it's such a headache to, for me to try and think about how that's going to work um i know that the drake song sounded good but i'd love to hear like a neil young song or mm. like, with like acoustic guitars and drums that's when i can't like that's gonna be <laughs> when it gets into music that i understand more i mean i like hip-hop but you know that sort of it's already electronically generated. I, exactly. I think the point and is the that you, you're kind of, of yeah. Do you taking a house that's made out of bricks and then you're saying we can rearrange the bricks differently? Is it the same yes. house? Is yeah. it a different house? But I think I think the yeah. same kind of way. What, what I find interesting about this conversation is photography versus let's say graphic art or painting. I've always mentally separated these two things as being mm -hmm. photography being somehow explicitly thinking about the world around. So for example, the um the idea of the of the street views or the idea of, of taking elements of what you would see and kind of putting a photography on it and then kind of questioning whether what you're seeing is real. Whereas, for example, I see art and, and digital art as a little bit more on the world internal. So a little bit more scope for things like mythics, 
or mythical kind of uh, fantasy or Dali abstractism, all these different elements that you cannot see explicitly, mm. but it's kind of wrapped within your internal world. And it yeah. seems familiar because there's a part of your brain that perceives the world in this warped, unusual way. But what I find interesting about generative AI and this kind of AI is that it's it's luring, I think, um, people into that internal world a little bit. Like, And, and it's because you now have every building block of every artist for every creation that you can combine and, and recombine. Mm. So to me, I suppose what I was curious about is with Gen AI, I think the the major um, advancement or the unusualness is this idea that it's focused on how to blend things together, which otherwise wouldn't be close to each other, wouldn't be anywhere near each other. So let's take a Dali clock and apply it to a dragon breathing fire. These are the very different spectrums of the creative world and you kind of bring it together and go, oh, that's actually yeah. a, a melting dragon breathing fire. Um, and it kind of invokes a reaction or something or doesn't because you just don't know because you're experimenting. It's alchemy essentially yeah. uh, with with components of art. Um, so in terms of a discovery process, uh, which is kind of also what Jamie mentioned before about using it to inspire you and to check something, mm. I think it, it it's, I, don't, I was hoping to get your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be its early use. Um, let's say I'm a painter and I do sort of like mid-career Picasso abstracts and I'm struggling along and I haven't made a, haven't made my break yet or something. I could see myself going, all right, I need to sort of push my work into a new realm and I'll, I'll feed some ideas into this and see how I could sort of smash the wall down and steer my work into a different area through through this sort of melding of different ideas and seeing what gets spat out and then and then paint off these guides you know what i mean like get some guides as a, as a sort of as some architecture to a new painting and just try yeah i mean why not but I, I just feel like that's inevitable um i think the one other um hurdle or potential barrier between how this stuff evolves is I think you got to remember, like, not everyone's comfortable in tech in general. Not everyone likes using computers or any of it. Like, and that was really brought to my attention with NFTs. Like, when that came along and, uh, you know, I'm like a, the sort of artist that if I, I could have gone down that path and scrambled together and got everything ready and did an NFT drop just because it was just a, you know, there was money to be made and you got to, you're kind of silly to not even look at it if that's, that's something. But naturally I was like, it's not a world I understand. Um, but I did have fellow artists who did it successfully, made a bit of money. And now the whole thing seems to have just collapsed and gone away. It's just so bizarre. And it, like, it never happened. I mean, it's still there, you know, simmering in the background, but that sort of hysteria around it is gone. Um, but at the time it was happening, there was a real sense of some people just just technically couldn't get their heads around it so didn't go near it i think the same thing will be happening for a while until everyone's sort of fluent in that sort of in that sort of thinking which i'm sure a lot of young if you're you know under 25 your chances of being fluent in that stuff is probably a lot higher if you're over 35 over 45 whatever it is um it'll be a bit of a generational thing but i do think that will be a barrier for a significant chunk of people um of artists in that sense of they just don't they don't want to be on the computer they, they just want to be making the art whatever whatever they're doing sculpture pottery painting um so 
that will be a maybe you know a fork in the road for how things evolve. I think technology in general um, is an interesting um, it's an interesting thing. Like you, and it's the same with music and the people and filmmaking and people who are naturally inclined to, to use computers well and fluently have a huge leg up in some respects of, of you know getting started and getting going. Yeah, I, I think I would say that it's a little bit like uh, dexterity, manual dexterity or something. Like if we were living yeah. four or 500 years ago, you'd be painting and that would be your creative outlet or writing yeah. by hand. If you didn't have very good manual dexterity, you know, you'd be singing or something else. But, but you, you know, if the majority of the money and the, and the artists and the creators were in one space and you didn't have the physical aptitude, mm. or in this case, the mental disposition for technology, George, thank you so much for coming on the Gen AI podcast to chat with us today. Really insightful to see that you're open to this new technology and the way things are going. Um, yeah, there's definitely plenty, plenty going to happen. And we'll be watching for your work and see how that might change uh, in the future. So thanks again for jumping on. Thank you so much, guys. It was a pleasure. And yeah, look forward to, to part two. Thanks, George. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Gen AI podcast. 